Section one of Germinal by Emile Zola. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. Part one, Chapter one. Over the open plain, beneath a starless sky as dark and thick as ink, a man walked alone along the highway from Marchiennes to Montel, a straight paved road ten kilometers in length, intersecting the beetroot fields. He could not even see the black soil before him, and only felt the immense flat horizon by the gusts of March wind, squalls as strong as on the sea, and frozen from sweeping leagues of marsh and naked earth no tree could be seen against the sky and the road unrolled as straight as a pier in the midst of the blinding spray of darkness the man had set out from marchand about two o'clock he walked with long strides shivering beneath his worn cotton jacket and corduroy breeches a small parcel tied in a check handkerchief troubled him much and he pressed it against his side sometimes with one elbow sometimes with the other so that he could slip to the bottom of his pockets both the benumbed hands that bled beneath the lashes of the wind a single idea occupied his head the empty head of a workman without work and without lodging the hope that the cold would be less keen after sunrise for an hour he went on thus when on the left two kilometers from Monceau, he saw red flames, three fires burning in the open air and apparently suspended. At first he hesitated, half afraid. Then he could not resist the painful need to warm his hands for a moment. The steep road led downwards, and everything disappeared. The man saw on his right a paling, a wall of coarse planks shutting in a line of rails, while a grassy slope rose on the left surmounted by confused gables a vision of a village with low uniform roofs he went on some two hundred paces suddenly at a bend in the road the fires reappeared close to him though he could not understand how they burnt so high in the dead sky like smoky moons but on the level soil another sight had struck him it was a heavy mass a low pile of buildings from which rose the silhouette of a factory chimney occasional gleams appeared from dirty windows five or six melancholy lanterns were hung outside to frames of blackened wood which vaguely outlined the profiles of gigantic stages and from this fantastic apparition drowned in night and smoke a single voice arose the thick long breathing of a steam escapement that could not be seen then the man recognized the pit his despair returned what was the good there would be no work instead of turning towards the buildings he decided at last to ascend the pit bank on which burnt in iron baskets the three coal fires which gave light and warmth for work the laborers in the cutting must have been working late they were still throwing out the useless rubbish now he heard the landers push the wagons on the stages he could distinguish living shadows tipping over the trams or tubs near each fire good day he said approaching one of the baskets turning his back to the fire the carman stood upright 
he was an old man dressed in knitted violet wool with a rabbit-skin cap on his head while his horse a great yellow horse waited with the immobility of stone while they emptied the six trains he drew the workman employed at the tipping cradle a red-haired lean fellow did not hurry himself he pressed on the lever with a sleepy hand and above the wind grew stronger an icy north wind and its great regular breaths passed by like the strokes of a scythe good day replied the old man there was silence the man who felt that he was being looked at suspiciously at once told his name i am called etienne lantier i am an engine man any work here the flames lit him up he might be about twenty-one years of age a very dark handsome man who looked strong in spite of his thin limbs the carman thus reassured shook his head work for an engine man no no there were two came yesterday there's nothing august cut short their speech then etienne asked pointing to the sombre pile of buildings at the foot of the platform a pit isn't it the old man this time could not reply he was strangled by a violent cough at last he expectorated and his expectoration left a black patch on the purple soil yes a pit the Varou. there the settlement is quite near in his turn and with extended arm he pointed out in the night the village of which the young man had vaguely seen the roofs but the six trams were empty and he followed them without cracking his whip his legs stiffened by rheumatism while the great yellow horse went on of itself pulling heavily between the rails beneath a new gust which bristled its coat the Vaurot was now emerging from the gloom etienne who forgot himself before the stove warming his poor bleeding hands looked round and could see each part of the pit the shed tarred with siftings the pit frame the vast chamber of the winding machine the square turret of the exhaustion pump this pit piled up in the bottom of a hollow with its squawk brick buildings raising its chimney like a threatening horn seemed to him to have the evil air of a gluttonous beast crouching there to devour the earth while examining it he thought of himself of his vagabond existence these eight days he had been seeking work he saw himself again at his workshop at the railway delivering a blow at his foreman driven from lille driven from everywhere on saturday he had arrived at marchiennes where they said that work was to be had at the forges and there was nothing neither at the forges nor at sonneville's he had been obliged to pass the sunday hidden beneath the wood of a cartwright's yard from which the watchman had just turned him out at two o'clock in the morning he had nothing not a penny not even a crust what should he do wandering along the roads without aim not knowing where to shelter himself from the wind yes it was certainly a pit the occasional lanterns lighted up the square a door suddenly opened had enabled him to catch sight of the furnaces in a clear light he could explain even the escapement of the pump that thick long breathing that went on without ceasing and which seemed to be the monster's congested respiration 
the workman expanding his back at the tipping cradle had not even lifted his eyes on etienne and the latter was about to pick up his little bundle which had fallen to the earth when a spasm of coughing announced the carman's return slowly he emerged from the darkness followed by the yellow horse drawing six more laden trams are there factories at Mosul? asked the young man the old man expectorated then replied in the wind oh it isn't factories that are lacking should have seen it three or four years ago everything was roaring then there were not men enough there never were such wages and now they are tightening their bellies again nothing but misery in the country everyone is being sent away workshops closing one after the other it is not the emperor's fault perhaps but why should he go and fight in america without counting that the beasts are dying from cholera like the people then in short sentences and with broken breath the two continued to complain etienne narrated his vain wanderings of the past week must one then die of hunger soon the roads would be full of beggars yes said the old man this will turn out badly for god does not allow so many christians to be thrown on the street we don't have meat every day but if one had bread true if one only had bread their voices were lost gusts of wind carrying away the words in a melancholy howl here began the carman again very loudly turning towards the south Mansoul is over there and stretching out his hand again he pointed out invisible spots in the darkness as he named them below at Mansoul, the fauvel sugar-works were still going but the houghton sugar-works had just been dismissing hands there were only the dutelot flour-mill and the bleu rope walk for mine cables which kept up then with a large gesture he indicated the north half of the horizon the sonneville workshops had not received two-thirds of their usual orders only two of the three blast furnaces of the martian forges were alight finally at the gagebois glassworks a strike was threatening for there was talk of a reduction of wages i know i know replied the young man at each indication i have been there with us here things are going on at present added the carman but the pits have lowered their output and see opposite at the victoire there are also only two batteries of coke furnaces alight he expectorated and set out behind his sleepy horse after harnessing it to the empty trams now etienne could oversee the entire country the darkness remained profound but the old man's hand had as it were filled it with great miseries which the young man unconsciously felt at this moment around him everywhere in the limitless tract was it not a cry of famine that the march wind rolled up across this naked plain the squalls were furious they seemed to bring the death of labor a famine which would kill many men and with wandering eyes he tried to pierce shades tormented at once by the desire and by the fear of seeing everything was hidden in the unknown depths of the gloomy night he only perceived very far off the blast furnaces and the coke ovens the latter with their hundreds of chimneys planted obliquely made lines of red flame while the two towers more to the left burnt blue against the blank sky like giant torches 
it resembled a melancholy conflagration no other stars rose on the threatening horizon except these nocturnal fires in a land of coal and iron you belong to belgium perhaps began again the carman who had returned behind etienne this time he only brought three trams those at least could be tipped over an accident which had happened to the cage a broken screw-nut would stop work for a good quarter of an hour at the bottom of the pit bank there was silence the landers no longer shook the stages with a prolonged vibration one only heard from the pit the distant sound of a hammer tapping on an iron plate no i come from the south replied the young man the workman after having emptied the trams had seated himself on the earth glad of the accident maintaining his savage silence he had simply lifted his large dim eyes to the carman as if annoyed by so many words the latter indeed did not usually talk at such length the unknown man's face must have pleased him that he should have been taken by one of these itchings for confidence which sometimes make old people talk aloud even when alone i belong to monceau he said i am called bonmore is it a nickname asked etienne astonished the old man made a grimace of satisfaction and pointed to the bureau yes yes they have pulled me three times out of that torn to pieces once with all my hair scorched once with my gizzard full of earth and another time with my belly swollen with water like a frog and then when they saw that nothing would kill me they called me bonmore for a joke his cheerfulness increased like the creaking of an ill-greased pulley and ended by degenerating into a terrible spasm of coughing the fire-basket now clearly lit up his large head with its scanty white hair and flat livid face spotted with bluish patches it was short with an enormous neck projecting calves and heels and long arms with massive hands falling to his knees for the rest like his horse which stood immovable without suffering from the wind he seemed to be made of stone he had no appearance of feeling either the cold or the gusts that whistled at his ears when he coughed his throat was torn by a deep rasping he spat at the foot of the basket and the earth was blackened etienne looked at him and at the ground which he had thus stained have you been working long at the mine bonnemort flung open both arms long i should think so i was not eight when i went down into the voreau and i am now fifty-eight reckon that up i have been everything down there at first trammer then putter when i had the strength to wheel then pikeman for eighteen years then because of my cursed legs they put me into the earth-cutting to bank up and patch until they had to bring me up because the doctor said i should stay there for good then after five years of that they made me carman eh that's fine fifty years at the mine forty-five down below while he was speaking fragments of burning coal which now and then fell from the basket lit up his pale face with their red reflection they tell me to rest he went on but i'm not going to i'm not such a fool i can get on for two years longer to my sixtieth so as to get the pension of one hundred and eighty francs if i wish them good evening to-day they would give me a hundred and fifty at once they are cunning the beggars 
besides i am sound except my legs you see it's the water which has got under my skin through being always wet in the cuttings there are days when i can't move a paw without screaming a spasm of coughing interrupted him again and that makes you cough so said etienne but he vigorously shook his head then when he could speak no no i caught cold a month ago i never used to cough now i can't get rid of it and the queer thing is that i spit that i spit the rasping was again heard in his throat followed by the black expectoration is it blood asked etienne at last venturing to question him bonnemort slowly wiped his mouth with the back of his hand it's coal i've got enough in my carcass to warm me till i die and it's five years since i put a foot down below i stored it up it seems without knowing it it keeps you alive there was silence the distant hammer struck regular blows in the pit and the wind passed by with its moan like a cry of hunger and weariness coming out of the depths of the night before the flames which grew low the old man went on in lower tones chewing over again his old recollections ah certainly it was not yesterday that he and his began hammering at the seam the family had worked for the monceau mining company since it started and that was long ago a hundred and six years already his grandfather guillaume Mahieu, an urchin of fifteen then had found the rich coal at Requillard, the company's first pit an old abandoned pit to-day down below near the fauvert sugar-works all the country knew it and as a proof the discovered scene was called the guillaume after his grandfather he had not known him a big fellow it was said very strong who died of old age at sixty then his father nicolas mahou called le roge when hardly forty years of age had died in the pit which was being excavated at that time a landslip a complete slide and the rock drank his blood and swallowed his bones two of his uncles and his three brothers later on also left their skins there he vincent mayer who had come out almost whole except that his legs were rather shaky was looked upon as a knowing fellow but what could one do one must work one worked here from father to son as one would work at anything else his son toussaint mahieu was being worked to death there now and his grandsons and all his people who lived opposite in the settlement a hundred and six years of mining the youngsters after the old ones for the same master eh there were many bourgeois that could not give their history so well anyhow when one has got enough to eat murmured etienne again that is what i say as long as one has bread to eat one can live bonnemort was silent and his eyes turned towards the settlement where lights were appearing one by one four o'clock struck in the monceau tower and the cold became keener and is your company rich asked etienne the old man shrugged his shoulders and then let them fall as if overwhelmed beneath an avalanche of gold ah yes ah yes not perhaps so rich as its neighbour the anzin company but millions and millions all the same they can't count it nineteen pits thirteen at work the voreau the victoire Cricour, Miro, 
saint thomas madeleine foutre canal and still more and six were pumping or ventilation like Ricula, ten thousand workers concessions reaching over sixty-seven communes an output of five thousand tons a day a railway joining all the pits and workshops and factories ah yes ah yes there's money there the rolling of trams on the stages made the big yellow horse prick his ears the cage was evidently repaired below and the landers had got to work again while he was harnessing his beast to redescend the carman added gently addressing himself to the horse won't do to chatter lazy good-for-nothing if monsieur hanbeau knew how you waste your time etienne looked thoughtfully into the night he asked then monsieur hanbeau owns the mine no explained the old man monsieur hanbeau is only the general manager he is paid just the same as us with a gesture the young man pointed into the darkness who does it all belong to them but bonmort was for a moment so suffocated by a new and violent spasm that he could not get his breath then when he had expectorated and wiped the black froth from his lips he replied in the rising wind eh all that belonged to nobody knows to people and with his hand he pointed in the darkness to a vague spot an unknown and remote place inhabited by those people for whom the Mahos had been hammering at the seam for more than a century his voice assumed a tone of religious awe it was as if he were speaking of an inaccessible tabernacle containing a sated and crouching god to whom they had given all their flesh and whom they had never seen at all events if one can get enough bread to eat repeated etienne for the third time without any apparent transition indeed yes if we could always get bread it would be too good the horse had started the carman in his turn disappeared with the trailing step of an invalid near the tipping cradle the workman had not stirred gathered up in a ball burying his chin between his knees with his great dim eyes fixed on emptiness when he had picked up his bundle etienne still remained at the same spot he felt the gusts freezing his back while his chest was burning before the large fire perhaps all the same it would be as well to inquire at the pit the old man might not know then he resigned himself he would accept any work where should he go and what was to become of him in this country famished for lack of work must he leave his carcass behind a wall like a strayed dog but one doubt troubled him a fear of the barreau in the middle of this flat plain drowned in so thick a night at every gust the wind seemed to rise as if it blew from an ever-broadening horizon no dawn whitened the dead sky the blast furnaces alone flamed and the coke ovens making the darkness redder without illuminating the unknown and the voreau at the bottom of its hole with its posture as of an evil beast continued to crunch breathing with a heavier and slower respiration troubled by its painful digestion of human flesh End of section one